Are you a woman who's considered investing in a franchise or running one yourself? Are you searching for honest information to help you make the best decision for your future? Have you ever worried about whether the information you're finding has your best interests in mind? We're here to help. Welcome to Franchise Rising. I'm your host, Aaron Carpenter. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of the Franchise Rising podcast. This is the show where experts, franchisees, and franchisors share stories, strategies, and expert advice for women who want to own or invest in a franchise. For today's show, we're bringing back Carmen Chavez de Hesse from Echo Growth Strategies. Carmen brings so much experience to the field. She is known for launching Zors and coaching Zs and basically helping any business scale from one to many. What you'll hear in this episode is part of a bigger conversation that Carmen and I had around franchising. And along with the mission of Franchise Rising to help women make more informed franchise purchase decisions, part of that involves more than just sharing stories of franchisees and and you know inspiring you all. Part of that is just simply educating you. So within this show in general, we're going to mix in experts from time to time, just like Carmen, with pure educational information. If you find today's episode, or any other episode for that matter, helpful or interesting to you, we'd love to hear from you in the form of a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. We'd also love to hear from you if you have any questions or ideas for future shows. What questions do you have if you're thinking about buying a franchise, investing in one. You can go to FranchiseRising.com, leave a note in the chat pane, and we'll be sure to address it and perhaps cover it on a, on a future show or a content piece on the website. You can also access today's show notes by going to FranchiseRising.com slash six. Are you ready to get started? Let's transition to Carmen Chavez de Hesse. Carmen, what is a franchise? Typically, the franchise, well, actually, it's defined by the Federal Trade Commission, who pretty much governs all of franchising. A franchise has to have three things, and it has to have the national trademark registration, a national one. A lot of people just looking to franchise their business might only have a trademark in California. It has to be a national registered trademark. That in- could include the word mark, the logo, you know, uh, could include a long list of proprietary things. But that gives you the entitlement to use uh, the trademark in the business. The second thing is that the parent company is offering some sort of a system and operational support to you, which is what we like to say is kind of the cookie cutter idea behind franchising, that if you walk into any McDonald's, you know you're going to be received and treated and, and eat just as you would at any other McDonald's around the world, basically. So it's a protection for that. It also includes the training and the guidance that you receive from the franchisor. And the third thing is the fees. So you're basically receiving the trademark and the support in exchange for a fee to the franchisor for providing those, an ongoing fee, typically known as a royalty fee. Ongoing and first time? Or There's an just, initial franchise fee right, for right. sure, but then it's, it's tied to the ongoing fee that they collect in okay. exchange for the continued use of their marks and their systems over the course of the franchise agreement. Okay, so marks, systems, Ongoing fees. Those mm-hmm. are. I would say like, systems and support. Yeah. Okay. 
So marks, systems and support, mm-hmm. ongoing fees. Yes. Three, are those those three pillars? Those are the three, three pillars, pillars of franchising. Of franchising. Okay. Well, that's different from, you know, licensing associations, business ventures, mm-hmm. you know, even dealerships or distributorships. I mean, I can't even probably myself go into great detail on all of those. Yeah. I think the, the biggest uh, comparison is in the licensing model, mm-hmm. which isn't necess- it's not regulated by the FTC. So economically, it's probably more feasible for somebody to license their business concept I think the biggest um, disconnect is that in some instances, somebody thinks that they can go and license what they do in a very similar way. They want to give the use of their brand and they want to give them some systems and they still want to have some sort of control in the relationship. In many states where franchising is required to be registered by the Department of Business Oversight, a licensing agreement can be deemed an inadvertent franchise because it meets all of the three items that we just talked about. Mm. So a good example of a a licensing of a client that licensed, uh, she teaches self-defense and anti-bullying, children empowerment really is what she teaches. And uh, we are licensing her business model over franchising her business model. It's a much lower cost of entry for her. It's a lower cost of entry for future trainers who oftentimes are adding it as a support class for her. Um, the interesting thing in, in, in licensing her business model was that it, we certified teachers first and they had the opportunity to convert to licensees. And an interesting thing, that one of the differentiators The was instructors had the, the instructors chance to become had a chance. licensees. Yes, the yep. certified instructors. Yep. And that's hard in itself because they, we had to do a laundry list. You can do this, but not this. You can have this right, but not this. You have access to this curriculum, but not all of my brand. And one of the key components of her brand is actually a Chihuahua puppet. And it's a proprietary item, and it really is a key part of her business teachings. And so we literally package the license as a chihuahua in a box and you get the license agreement and you get all of the systems and tools that you need to teach her curriculum in your area, which is a great opportunity and you you get access to her website and mention on the website and online training portals in exchange for a monthly monthly service fee basically. So it's it's not a franchise, it's a licensing agreement. Really it's the support piece that comes kind of steps out of that you're pretty much trained and you're on your way and you have access to more information but it's a, it's a way to build the network so if i'm a franchisor or a licensor why would i even if the cost is a lot less with licensing why would i even want to choose to be a franchise because nine times out of ten it's going to be deemed a franchise because you want to duplicate your business right and you want to be able to, to grow, but you're, you're very protective. Franchisors are very protective of their brand. Mm. You know, so it, you know, is it a valuable fran- to vet franchise their business? It, I always say the business model has already easily been duplicated. People are asking to duplicate their business model. And when I, when I say that, they went there, they had the best dinner ever, and they're like, oh, my God, I'd love to do this. Actually, you did that when you ate at an ice cream place or the cookie place. I did. We yeah. Did. And, and I've never really thought of us as being franchisees. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it was 
a lighthearted thought. Yeah. It was, it was a little bit joking, but yeah, we went and ate at a, an, an, a phenomenal ice cream place and we started thinking, gosh, let's, this, this place is printing cash. It totally. just always has lines out the door. Totally. The product's phenomenal. The model seems really simple and streamlined. Yeah. We started looking at it. What is the cost to franchise it? Yeah. You know, and package this up, open one in a, somewhere near our house and, yeah. you know, let That's it fly. Lots of times how it starts, yeah. you know, or there was some sort of brand recognition that really put the brand out there that then people started calling and saying, I want to do what you're doing right. in my area. So you're paying for, you're paying largely for the brand, the systems and support. You are. And, yeah. well, you're. And it's, and, it's, it's yeah. a, it is pretty great with, with licensing. You definitely need to have a franchise attorney, um, you know, and a business attorney really evaluating it because you, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where it's deemed an inadvertent franchise and then all of a sudden be, confronted with all of the fees that it costs to to create the franchise and then have the liabilities of trying to convert licensees to franchisees. So you really want to be cautious in that. And, and another thing to hinder is in the whole business venture. I, I have two locations and I want to have a third, but I don't want a franchise. So if I just bring you in as you know, a partner, sweat equity, or I keep 51% or something like that, you know, you, you still have to be really careful on how you're structuring the relationship. Right. And, and if you're looking to get into that relationship, you as, a, as a prospective as candidate, yeah. if you're saying oh, either one, you want to invest or you want to own and operate and partner, yeah. so this would be a, you know, instead of being a franchisee, you're saying, oh, well, I'll just go and partner. Yeah. You, you really need to make sure that it's, it's the best for you long term. And, and it, it, Likewise, you know, some people become a joint venture and they barely even know each other, you know, and buying a franchise is not necessarily a quick process. There's specific timelines that we have to follow that are mandated by the FTC to make sure that a prospective candidate has time to fully evaluate the offering and seek all of the consultation and advice that they need before they sign on the dotted line. Yeah, and a mentor of mine once told me that when you're going to partner, have your breakup strategy in place. Oh, for and, sure. And have it all mapped out. It should be in every contract. <laughs> How are you going to break out? Yeah. Because yeah. it's going to happen yeah. at some point. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. No, but I, but I would caution on, on that too because in, even in the franchise agreement, I'm, it's, it's really hard to have that conversation about breaking up when you're about ready to yeah. pay the check and sign at the table. Oh. And there's typically going to be provisions for how an agreement would terminate already included in the franchise agreement that you'd sign and all of that's presented to you in the franchise disclosure document as part of your due diligence. But I, I have been at one franchise closing when at the closing they asked how they could get out of the contract and that's just a red flag to the franchisee. No, and, it, and so it's, it's kind of hard. You want to know what your options are. You have to go in with your eyes wide open and and really know what your options are and really understand the agreement. I typically will even include that, a chapter of that in the operations manuals because I think it's important. You need to, the, the operations manual needs to take you through opening and closing your business mm -hmm. as well as opening and closing your business on a day-to-day, -day, the lifespan of your business yeah. and then and the closing it, running it day-to-day. -day. And the operations manual for people who don't know is part of that second pillar systems and support, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The systems are documented in this operations yes. manual. Copyrighted and documented. It is a secret sauce, if you will. 
Yeah. It's a secret sauce. If you terminate that, it has to come back to the franchise or it's their property. Got to protect the brand because that's what all the new franchisees are, are paying for. Exactly. Is there anything else about, you know, just basics, what, what a franchise is and, you know, how do you know if it's viable? Well, I would think that, you know, as part of the due diligence, you know, you have to ask yourself, is this a business model that's unique and attractive? Do you see a demand for the services and the industry? I mean, part of doing your due diligence, you really need to know, is it an industry that you've already worked in? Um, there's an association for every industry. So, so this is if I'm buying a franchise. Yeah. Do the customers love the product or service? Do they love it? Is there a demand for it? Yeah. And what's the industry doing as a whole? Mm. So we talk a lot about pets. I mean, I could tell you the pet industry is a $70 billion industry. I and yeah, I remember you know, five or ten years ago when the Froyo craze yeah. was going and you'd see a Froyo shop opening on every corner. Oh yeah. gosh, another one. Could there really be this much demand and yeah. how lasting is this? Yeah. yeah. I don't know, right? So when you're looking at it's, the industry it's as a the whole. Same. The industry as a whole. But if you look at the $70 billion pet industry, then you have to break it down by services. How much of that industry is going towards food? How much is going to veterinary services? Those are the biggest chunks of that industry. And then what percentage is going towards animal services, doggy daycare, boarding, the grooming sector? And it, it is still a big chunk of that $70 billion industry, but then you have to take it to the next level. What's the growth of that sector? And How do you know? What do you use to look at? Look well, at that. Like I said, almost every industry has an association. Oh, that's right. or Yeah, so yeah. You, would, you would try to, to, and if you're working, if you're a fitness instructor, you're already pretty well versed in that. You, you might have some good tools and resources depending on the modalities of fitness that you teach, whether it's through the yoga teacher training or the fitness alliance or, or something like that where you can really start to pull those stats. And some franchisors offer them, and they should be offering them as part of their due diligence and on their part or the taking you through day of discovery they'll talk about the industry so you just really want to know that there is a demand and that the industry is either is pretty stable or growing it would be ideal you know also explore that the operational systems are pretty well defined and easily trainable is it a really complicated business model can you can you teach somebody that has no experience it, take the tech device can so, I teach? So can uh, you teach it? Who's I? So I is the. Can I teach? Can can the franchisor teach a non-industry professional, okay. a non-IT person, how to replace a phone cover or yeah. refurbish a Macintosh? Yeah. So you want to look at if you're a franchisee or a prospective franchisee, you want to look at. Yeah. Maybe do they have franchisees who came from different backgrounds? Yes. Yes. Would that be? Yeah, you can, you can mandate what their qualifications have to be or if they have to be an owner-operator or can they be an investor. Look for the trade industries, the hair salons. Hmm. You know, do you have to be a hairstylist just to own a, a sports club? Yeah. You don't. So, but if you're not, then who's your key employee and what are their qualifications need to look like? And, and if it's, you know, in that case, the franchisor's probably not going to teach you how to do the trade, you know, but I've seen other ones that, can that be successful though? Can it be successful oh, yeah. for you to say, hey, you know, I have this chunk of money. I don't want to put it in a savings account earning 1% a year. Yeah. I want to build something meaningful and yeah. some revenue. Can I, can I realistically hire someone who is skilled in the trade to run it 
and and run with it. You can. Yeah. You can, but yeah. do you need to be really involved in the business and from the get-go? Definitely. Yeah. Do you need to not really invest in your recruiting process? Definitely. And you have this, to, you yeah. know. This come. is not Ronco rotisserie chicken, set it and forget it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's a little bit more involved to get a really good Peruvian rotisserie chicken. Oh. But yeah. We're going to Pisco right after this. Yeah, I'm glad. I have my coupon on my desk. No, I said, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think that that's, um, you know, important things to ask. And then you obviously want to see what their track record is, you know, and, and are they making money, which is tiptoeing around that conversation in the franchise discovery process. Very much tiptoeing around the whole financial conversation. But there's there's ways to coach potential franchisees on how to really establish what the business volume is mm -hmm. and and take in other factors. Is it a corporate location or is it a franchise location? Do they have an item 19 that talks about okay, the financial? Okay, hold on. Corporate location review? meaning the franchisor. Uh, these brands, the franchisors have some locations that they own and run themselves. Yes. And in, in many, just because it's a franchise, it doesn't mean all their units or locations are owned by franchisees, right? Exactly. Is that what you mean? Okay. And there's, there's some confusion there because they're technically called affiliate locations, they will be noted in the in the franchise disclosure document as affiliate locations. There's sometimes a parent company. I mean, it's a lot of legal ease that goes into establishing what that location is. But there's always a flagship location. And so I tend to call it a corporate location. But it, there's always a flagship location that started at all. And that's what the franchise was modeled after. Got it. And that's the location that typically will continue to push the interests of the brand as a whole. They might become the test location. They might get the first uh, new remodel on the lobby after 10 years in business or five years in business, something like that. And so they're, they're, they're still kind of the hub. And ideally, you'd like them to look and act as much as a franchise as, as possible. Oftentimes, they'll contribute to the ad fund. They'll contribute as if a franchise would, but they're still a, an affiliate location. Okay, good to know. And there you have it. What is a franchise? As Carmen brilliantly puts it, it breaks down to three key components, as she calls it, the three pillars of franchising. One, trademark in the business. Number two, some sort of systems and operational support. And then three, ongoing fees. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Franchise Rising podcast. We really hope you found today's show informative. You can also find details and resources from today's show at franchiserising.com slash six. If you have questions for me, for Carmen, or anyone on our team, just go to franchiserising.com and drop a note in the chat pane. You can also find us in social media and communicate with us at using the profile Franchise Rising. And until next time, we hope you have a wonderful day.